You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everyone, welcome to Thesis on Joan. I'm Holly. They them, and I'm Megan. She her. Thesis on Joan is a podcast dedicated to amplifying voices from the LGBTQ plus community in the New York performing arts scene and examining the industry from a queer perspective. Today, we are sitting down with Marga Gomez. So a little bit more about Marga. Marga is the writer-performer of 13 solo plays, which have been presented nationally, off-Broadway, and internationally. In 2015, Dixon Place commissioned her critically acclaimed premiere of Pound. Her acting credits include theater roles, Campo Santo, San Francisco production of Translating Selena, Off-Broadway Ars Nova production of Dr. Ride's American Beach House, um, Sense8 on Netflix, and Film Sphere. Marga teaches solo performance online and in San Francisco at the Kearney Street Workshop, ACT, and Brava. NBC named her one of 11 out Latinos you should know. Selections from Gomez's work have been published in several anthologies, including Extreme Exposure, How, Out Loud and Laughing, Contemporary Plays by American Women of Color. For more information, visit MargaGomez.com or just keep listening. Welcome to the podcast, Marga. It's great to have you. It's I couldn't have said any of that intro any better, Megan. Thank you so much. <laughs> great to be here with you and Holly. Oh, pressure's off. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're so excited to talk to you. Uh, do you mind starting with your name, your pronouns, and whatever you want to share of how you identify? Wow. Uh, well, I know uh, my name. That that I know. <laughs> it's Marga Gomez. And um, I, um, yeah, I've, I've just been really questioning, uh, you know, pronouns. I mean, it would be amazing to be in a world without uh, pronouns and, you know, we just go by, uh, where's uh, chartreuse? And I don't know, we find some other kind of uh, delineators. Um, but uh, I am, uh, I, I think I'm just saying really any pronoun uh, because it keeps it interesting for me. Uh, I mean, I definitely... Uh, I'm not a hundred percent she, um, but I'm not, you know, I have this joke that, uh, I'm a soft butch, uh, and, uh, what I mean by that is, uh, like a butch, I refuse to wear dresses and heels, but I'm a soft butch. I also don't want to carry anything heavy, run fast, <laughs> or play sports of any kind. 
And yet, even in the lesbian uh, uh, world that I have, I have lived and hung out in for decades and decades, I think the butch femme thing is is pretty, pretty, pretty binary for me. So, I, I'm I'm also a Gemini, so that is also how my gender uh, switches. So, I think that uh, I think whatever whatever anyone wants to uh, perceive me at is is okay. That's great. Thanks for Yeah, sharing. that was a long yeah, answer. I feel No, no, no. Zodiac signs are definitely a recurring theme on on the answers to our questions. So I, I also <laughs> want to steal that explanation of soft butch because I don't like carrying things either. So it's like I can still have yeah. the butch look, but I don't have to pick things up. <laughs> well, can can I add to that also? Yeah. Uh, that uh, in a you know back in the uh, back in the old uh, lesbian real world, I don't mean uh, Showtime or anything. I mean just like in in the world. So I've I've lived in New York and I've I have exes there, and I have uh, I think I have exes exes in Texas too. <laughs> just just to get a uh, real red state on you. Um, but uh, I think that the uh, the butch fan thing also the problem with that is that. I, okay, I probably might get in trouble here, but I think it's, I, I think butchers might maybe earn a, a little bit less money as women earn less money than a men. I think that butchers in, a, you know, non-traditional presentation might have a little trouble getting some income, whereas a woman who looks conventionally uh, female and feminine might make more. So my question has always been, why do I have to pay for dinner? Which is what's so wonderful <laughs> About the pandemic, I know nobody has ever maybe even said that <laughs> sentence, but there are some great things for me about, I mean, it's terrible, horrible, I know that, uh, end of the world, end of days, all that, but, um, but in that, um, I do, uh, I do look forward to trying to date online in the pandemic and having a girlfriend that I never have to meet or share a bed with, um, that I never actually have to buy dinner for. I could go with the most high maintenance femme and know that I don't have to carry anything for her. I don't have to help her move. And it's whatever you have at your house. That's what you eat. And I'll eat what I have. And hopefully you have an HBO password that you will give me. You know that there's like an expectation for you for like the more mask person to like seamless the more femme person now to to what to like send them food via like Grubhub or Seamless or something. You know, I, I guess I I guess I heard what you said, and I'm trying to pretend it's not happening. I really. <laughs> why the hell? Who asked for a solution to this? I'm who sorry, asked for a way? No, that. but I heard it. No, it's true. So. I guess I just have to find someone who doesn't know that there is a <laughs> yeah, solution. Yeah. I just go, baby, I, I would check you out for lobster tonight if I could, but you understand it's the pandemic. Impossible. Seamless? Oh, oh, my phone, my phone. There's a problem with I don't have the update. I don't have the update. Just don't tell them about this podcast <laughs> okay. ever. We'll, we'll yeah, edit it fine. out. <laughs> guess I'm not going to be getting any dates from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, maybe that should be the title of the episode. Date Margot Gomez. We'll see what we can do. I'm all for that. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. Title. Oh, didn't think of that as a silver lining to the pandemic, like dating high maintenance femmes with like a distance. <laughs> I'll tell you the other silver lining I find is that um I I enjoy wearing a mask 
And sometimes, sometimes I don't want to take it off even when I'm home. Uh, because I talk to myself, as I think a lot of theater people do, a lot of writers and actors running through lines. And there have been many times when the only time I can work on writing or, uh, of course, I, I write solo plays, so I'm writing for myself. So it's a, you know, uh, I'm, I'm multitasking when I talk to myself. And it's always been something that um, has gotten me weird looks from people I pass by. But now that I have a mask, I can write, like I can write so much and I, I can be the best, most memorized actor on the planet. <laughs> That's awesome. The, the other yeah. thing about masks, too, is uh, sometimes it's not just work. It's also the pleasure of calling people out and uh, calling them names and, and, and just have uh, smizing with my eyes. But in the mask, I am, I am saying every kind of curse word, which I haven't said now because we forgot to go over those guidelines. You can, you can curse if you want to. Fuck, so. yes. <laughs> so piece of shit is one of my favorite, you know, who do you think you are? You know, stupid jogger. <laughs> no, that's all I'm going to think oh, Megan. when I'm out in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Mark is coming yeah, for you. No. Oh, man. Well, nobody knows what I'm saying under my mask as I'm jogging. So maybe yeah. I should just dish it right back. Oh, well, if you've got a, if you've got a mask on, that's it. But, you know, you rarely see that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. After this pandemic, um, when I see people really fit with uh, soft hands, I think that these are the enemies because they've been <laughs> jogging without a mask and they have not been washing their hands enough. That's true, actually. Yeah. You should have to show like your calluses on your hands yeah. for proof. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And like a farmer's tan across your face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I hate to tell you this. uh friends but also uh when you get to a certain age and your skin doesn't have the bounce um the uh you have mask lines <laughs> for for about an hour or so so it's really important to hydrate cheers <laughs> cheers to that <laughs> oh man i feel like that's a great segue yeah. to first oh yes joan <laughs> oh yeah we need to talk about joan so yeah um Holly and I are very obsessed with the musical Fun Home. Um, oh, and, yes. Yeah. And okay. so one of the songs Wonderful. from yeah. the show is um, Thesis on Joan. It's about, like, singing to her college girlfriend. Um, and But we're also, like, super nerdy, and we're really into, like, academic deep dives and things. So we're, like, perfect. A theater reference, but also we can, like talk extensively about all these things that probably most people don't want to hear about. So here we are. <laughs> uh, well, I, um, I saw Fun Home, but only once. And I will, you know, so I'm due for another viewing whenever that happens again. Uh, what a beautiful piece. And I am obviously not nerdy enough to remember or I did too much LSD in college. <laughs> so so the great thing is when I see a show again, it's like I'm seeing it for the first time. That's magic. Yeah. I wish I could see Fun Home for the first time again. I'm yeah. Uh, well, take some more LSD and you'll be true. able to do that. Um, I, I'm really glad that that's what this is because I, I, I love Fun Home. But what I thought it was going to be is also not a bad plan. I thought you were fans of. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> I'm so excited. Christina Hendrickson, who played Joan 
on Mad Men. I mean, I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I thought we were going to talk about that character and, you know, who she should have been with. Maybe she should have been with Peggy. And oh, But that's obviously not a play. Oh, my gosh. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast, though, we could talk about. Uh, she was such a good character. I need yeah. to go back and watch Mad Men now. Yeah. Christina Hendricks is also on Firefly, like super. Oh yeah, I've been wanting to see that. Yeah. Oh, it's mm-hmm. so great. Uh, yeah, and she she plays a pretty pivotal character on that show. Can too. I jump off uh, once again? Yeah. Sure. Um, uh, and we don't have to, we don't have to get into it now, but I'm wondering if any of you caught the live stream of uh, Brave Smiles by the Five Lesbian Brothers. We, we did. did. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts and reactions to it. I, I am just, I wanted to see that one again. I saw it like uh, the, the original live stream and then they've got, I think today might be the last, uh, uh, well, when you air this, it, it's gone. But yeah. um, they basically had a replay for three days and it was uh, a fundraiser for Broadway Cares and it was uh, Playbill.com uh, Pride Plays, which I guess they mm-hmm. have a couple more things uh, in store. But I couldn't believe it. Uh, and I know Lisa from, I, I know all, all the brothers because I, I kind of started out, one of the places I started out was the Wow, uh, wow Cafe in New York. I don't know if you know about that. Yeah, I've seen shows there. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's where I met, like, my uh, partner in crime, Carmelita Tropicana, and uh, Lisa was doing things, and Mo, and, and all of them, and the lesbian brothers were starting out, especially, I think, when they moved from the storefront they had on East 9th Street, which was near that um, Italian bakery. So who knows? I think that place is probably going to survive. They might have some extra funds. We don't know about okay. <laughs> All right. That was not, that wasn't very nice of me, but I have a feeling the bakery is going to not go away. Um, but uh, Wow had to move to um, East 4th Street, right? In that little, um, that like mm-hmm. stretch cool of a bunch of bars. Theater yeah. row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, a bunch of bars. All right, Megan. I think of it more as a theater row where La Mama is. A bunch of bars. What's not a bunch of bars? And Lower East Side, this street was the one I thought is not a bunch of bars. That's but true. obviously, you found it, Megan. Uh, <laughs> so I think that's where the brothers really got going. And also, in, at uh, Dixon Place, they work quite a bit there, where, where I'm working now. So, anyways, I I don't I think I saw this like on Instagram. I follow Lisa. Lisa follows me on uh, uh, Instagram. I'm the Margaret Gomez, and she's L K. E-L-K something. Obviously, she doesn't want a lot of followers. <laughs> but but I, you know, I happened to see that she posted. And, and then it was like I could not un- understand this convoluted playbill slash pride uh, website. And I had many, you know, I just like had many suggestions for playbill pride <laughs> plays that to help them make it easier for people to find them. It was confusing, yeah. It was actually hard to watch. <laughs> yeah. So this this stream was, first of all, advertised as a reading, which is not that exciting. I know uh, you, two, you two nerds seem like you like to read. I know. You, I see those books, Holly. I see those books. You can't, can't wait to tear into them. But it was just like, they're going to read? I don't. I don't want to see people. I don't read. Why should they? But uh, but then it's like, I'm going to watch it anyways because I never got a chance to see Brave Smiles. And it was not a reading. It was uh, directed by Lee Silverman. 
mm-hmm. and it was directed for streaming. It was gorgeous. Uh, I think Peg Healy, one of the brothers, did um, the video, and I, I think she did video and graphics. So, so when you see it, it's like it's a little bit like a graphic mm-hmm. novel. They all matched their backgrounds. They all had really good lighting, and they hardly had any glitches. But can I point out the one glitch, which was... Oh, please. I had to laugh. Did you know which the, what the I glitch was? I don't remember was? now. <laughs> All right. I know that one of them, I'm not going to say who, uh, wasn't all memorized. And I think it's because she had like a lot of lines. So you could see her looking to the side because the brothers probably told her, yeah, it's a reading. Chill. It's going to be no chill. Yeah. And then... These fucking brothers are all memorized, and the other poor brother has to kind of do the side glance, you know. What I would have done, because I certainly always have cheat sheets around, is I would have had duplicate cheat sheets. So you could do side glance left, side glance right, and then people just think that you're just sexy. But Just um, smoldering. Yeah. Uh, but then they would do, um, oh, there was like, well, there was a few minor glitches that I could see. Cause I, because I have to do this myself. So I'm looking, I look for the triumphs, which it was like 99% triumphs. And then I look for the adorable mistakes, which is kind of the fun of watching these, you know, streaming shows. So, but I think the best, uh, my favorite glitch, <laughs> they're going to kill me. <laughs> like five of them and just me, a soft butch, I am dead. Uh, but, um, <laughs> So one of them, I'm not going to say who, <laughs> towards the end, was doing so good. Um, and, uh, you know, they're all hilarious. This play is fantastic. Re- they revived it after 30 years, and they just designed Maybe. it for the medium that we have now. But at the end, or one of the last scenes, uh, one of them shows up, and she's um, successful, and she puts on these sunglasses. Because I was wondering, how is their lighting so good? You know, I mean... I've I've got a couple of lighting um, um, situations and, and gear, but it's never as good as what they had. They had ring lights. <laughs> they had ring lights, which you can't even find online anymore. And I couldn't figure it out, and I was going to figure out how, um, because I genuinely adored the show, but how I can just get you know, write to them and, and find what I want to find out. <laughs> How'd you get that lighting? How'd you do that? All um, the behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, you know, we, the lighting. So I, uh, and so when one of them came on and she put on these big sunglasses and she had a great little, co- you know, and you're basically zoom acting is from, you know, tits up <laughs> and, and in her big sunglasses, you could see the ring light. <laughs> You're like secret revealed. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh, I'm going to write to her anyway and congratulate her, but now I don't even have to ask. <laughs> and I don't want to bring it up. I definitely wouldn't bring it up because that's probably a sore subject because she was impeccable. And I'm sure the director was, no, ring light reflection, no. <laughs> I like those moments, though, where you are reminded that you're on a Zoom, though. I like the detail that I love is the scene where they're playing cards and one of them, they all have like different decks of cards. And then one of them, the cards were like, it looked like the back of a library card and a credit card. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh my God. I didn't. I missed that. Yeah. Oh, and then when they would do the, um, you know, I mean, one of the things that that. it, the tricks, you know, our, our, our bag of tricks for 
performing on Zoom and bringing a show to life on Zoom is when you do your close up, you know, your extreme close up, mm -hmm. because that's like your, you know, that's the biggest gun you have is that extreme close up. And they, they just did them amazing. And then they did extreme prop close ups where the, a, bottle of poison would come out <laughs> you know i do solo so i mean i really do have it pretty easy but you know not as fun as as just climbing this mountain with you know with four or five mates um but i'm dyslexic so i don't know that i could ever manage figuring out how to uh give somebody uh you know a book you know or or a toast Oh, they were doing a lot of toasting, you know, the oh, champagne. Yeah, how you have I, to, like, go to the right screen. Yeah, yeah. that's tricky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I do now is, because there are some times when even just as a solo, if I'm working with a, a virtual background, um, so I just have to put something in front of me that it's like, that's where, you know, uh, in the... Uh, in in the show that I'm doing now, Scotty's here. So I would put, like, a little... Uh, a little statue, not statue. No, I don't have any statues. I don't have any statues. Marble statues of your characters. Marble statues of, of uh, yeah, good, good people statues. There are there, but I would put something, you know, something that, and I go, that's Scotty. So I would know to look over there. I just want to say one more thing about yeah, brave keep smiles. Going. Is this is this like your audition to be the brother to the sixth brother? <laughs> I'll be the cousin. Um, I just think it was incredible that they brought back a piece that they did 30 years ago and that it was so fresh and so adorable. And I just got to um, just go back to the acting, what they did. I mean, the glances, the takes, the timing. Uh, I, and, and also, I'm, I do want to find out what platform they used because there didn't seem to be any latency at all. But it was gorgeous. Uh, it seemed like uh, Brother Mo had the biggest. Uh, I mean, it was pretty fair as to what everybody had to carry. But it seemed like Mo had the character that went from mm -hmm. the beginning to the end. And and um, and may I say, titties, titties <laughs> were shown. <laughs> Wait, Holly texted me and was just like, titties as soon as that. I texted Carmelita, titties. Yeah. I, 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 didn't, I didn't want to say when to be a titter spoiler, but yeah. it was, I mean, I was just watching and really my jaw dropped and I just said, this is the greatest thing on Zoom that can ever yeah. happen. They did it. They were fearless. It was fast. And that whole scene, that whole scene with the blanket and so they great. were, I mean, that had to be the most, the most fun. I mean, everything was, you know, mm -hmm. pretty, pretty high end, but, but that one, uh, because it really took me back to that sort of those, those lesbian games that, um, we used to play. And again, Catholic school where all inappropriate, all inappropriate and all will come up in some sort of tweet eventually for all of you children who did that. Okay. All right. Now this actually is kind of like what uh, my show touches on because Spanking Machine. First of all, I want to give a shout out to my uh, director, uh, Adrian Alexander Alia, uh, who's been working with me since uh, January uh, 2019 uh, on the show. Um, I have done 13 one-person shows, and I was not going to do another one-person show. Uh, I wanted to start writing for two people. 
<laughs> baby steps. Um, <laughs> but in uh, so the show is kind of meta, and it's basically about this reunion uh, of two friends in their sixties now who were uh, best friends in Catholic school in New York, uh, a racist Catholic school uh, that was uh, mostly uh, brown kids, but we were uh, terrorized by Irish nuns. And uh, there were a lot of closet cases, and he and I were two of them. Uh, We met in third grade uh, when he was sent to the spanking machine. So in our Catholic school, and uh, apparently this isn't just uh, specific to one school. Apparently this this myth of the spanking machine uh, is something that a lot of Catholic school kids uh, had heard about before. But it was something that uh, didn't exist. Uh, but we, for some reason, you know, it, it's like... Uh, it's like H.G. Wells or something, you know, people would keep it alive by saying they heard this or they heard that. So this was on the day that he sassed a teacher, uh, a nun, Sister Kevin Williams, and he uh, was sent to the spanking machine. We didn't see him. He was the first kid um, that we had, you know, come up with in Catholic school. And when he came back hours later, uh, he was surrounded by um, – by the, by the other children asking him, Agamemnon, Agamemnon, is the spanking machine like sister said? Agamemnon, Agamemnon, does the spanking machine have sticks or little hands? And uh, sort of this little paparazzi moment. <laughs> and then he he tells them to back off. He tells them he can't tell them about the spanking machine. So he's, of course, complicit. Right. He says, you just don't want to go. You don't ever want to know. And then this is where we lock eyes. <laughs> and from that moment on for several years, we're best friends. And our friendship comprises of um, pranks and uh, tormenting the grown-ups. <laughs> Uh, a- after school, <laughs> spitting down on people coming up from the subway, which that's a very – that's one part that is good to do online because can you imagine with the real <laughs> audience now talking about spitting down oh, a no. subway exit during rush hour? Right. That's the scariest thing you could do. Yeah. It's the scariest <laughs> thing. But the thing is, is that would be now uh, a form of terrorism. But we were little kids, and it was – we were just – we were just doing little terrible things. So we weren't terrorists. We were terribleists. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, water pistols and uh, uh, walking up uh, down escalators and getting people to follow us and fall. So this was a very, very bonding experience. <laughs> and and then after school, we had our, our show. You know, people have their song. And well, we had our show and we would run to his house and watch uh, – Dark Shadows, the original Dark Shadows in black and white, which was a soap opera about a vampire in Collinsport, Maine, who 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 somehow detected suspicion, even though he had fangs, uh, because he was British. So people thought, oh, yeah, British <laughs> fangs. Um, and we watched that, and it meant so much to my friend who uh, his name he called himself Scotty, but his real name was Agamemnon. Oh, but wow. he went by Scotty because he felt Agamemnon sounded too Cuban. Um, <laughs> and um, so Dark Shadows meant a lot to him because the vampire, it was all code for being gay in the 60s. I was going to say, I know so many queer people who are obsessed with that show. <laughs> 
Yeah, it really <laughs> resonated with with all of us, but especially him because he was the the actor who played Barnabas was a closet case. The vampire was in the closet. The vampire dressed in crushed velvet and frilly ruffles, which is what Scotty wanted to wear, but his father wouldn't let him. Mm. So it's it's about this nostalgic, sweet, uh, yet you know. Uh, detrimental time in childhood you know negotiating how you're in the closet you don't know what it is and you make up lies and you you live the closeted life even as a kid and then it goes to this reunion and uh that we have in miami uh in in 2019 and and the thing that happened that made this a play was my curiosity to see him and also to resolve something that i i don't want to give that away but it was a betrayal uh hmm. and i and that still doesn't give it away but um to see him and and also to remember a lot of what happened then when we were kids because you know i have this glowing memory of it and then as i think more and more of my childhood i think of all the uh, the trauma that happened so um so it was to see him and to ask him something to ask him sort of a big question once the time was right. Um, so it covers seeing him again in his, uh, in his weakened state. Um, he also, so this is based on, you know, this is a true story. Um, and he has uh, gone through uh, some tough breaks in life and he's become a Trump person. And oh, wow. so we just sort of have this very strange reunion in a Cuban restaurant while we wait and wait for our tostones and listen to Gloria Estefan in the background. Um, so it's sort of a kaleidoscope, uh, a, a time-traveling piece of the memory, the memory that isn't always the reliable memory of what it was like, mm. to the reality, to the to the idea of... Uh, forgiveness to the idea of how do we take care of the trauma that we adjusted to in our lives as women uh, and also as brown people, as gay people, um, the abuse that we suffered. Uh, how do we conveniently forget that or how do we heal it? Um, it's a comedy, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I want all those answers, so I'm definitely going to watch. <laughs> oh man, what a cliffhanger! I'm like um, so excited. Can I give you the backstory of the um, so how it got to Dixon Place in the form that it's it's coming to Please. in July? Sure. Yeah. Um, I uh, I started working on it. I mean, like I I met Scotty. We had this lunch. I went to his house. Um, there were so many contradictions again that are that are in the piece. Uh, and then I got a commission to write uh, a solo piece for the Syracuse Cold Read Festival out of Syracuse Stage by this wonderful man, Kyle E. Bass, who runs the Cold Read Festival every year. Uh, and so this was 2019. Um, I met Adrian Alexander Alia, who has been doing a lot of work uh, at the Public Theater. He's he's a he's a young queer uh, Cuban artist, a director, a dramaturg, and I felt that I wanted to do this piece with him because 
I wanted to write it for two people, but it became a solo. But I felt that he totally got, he's, he's a feminist. He really understands abuse and trauma uh, and telling a story that maybe, uh, maybe I didn't want to tell. And so with his sensitivity and his um, inventiveness, we started working on this as a solo piece, which is what the uh, Cold, uh, Cold Read Festival wanted. Um, and, and then it turned out to be, and I thought, oh, I'll just do it this way for the commission, and then I'll, uh, I'll make it into a two-character play. But the feedback was, we like how you do it. <laughs> so <laughs> it's my 13th solo play. Um, it was going to uh, be commissioned, and it's commissioned by Dixon Place um, as we continue to work on it. I had a run in San Francisco where I, I'm from Manhattan, but I live in San Francisco now and work in Manhattan whenever I can. And it had a, uh, it had a reading at Dixon Place in July – uh, from the script, and then it had uh, July of, of, of 2019, and then it had actually a run scheduled in San Francisco at Brava Theater, where I'm an artist in residence, for March, opening March 13th, oh, 2020. <laughs> Could you pick a worse date? <laughs> well, you know, I, I've always tried. I have a lot of uh, Wiccan pagan friends who get really mad on me on social media <laughs> when I say anything about 13 being unlucky. <laughs> they really get on my case and give me all the literature <laughs> about ancient times <laughs> and the patriarchy <laughs> ruining this number and how it's the best number. But I thought my 13th solo show opening on Friday the 13th. So you caused the pandemic. <laughs> well, Holly, Holly, two things. I, I'm going to really uh, take up my two, my two biggest takeaways <laughs> is I cannot get, um, I cannot do a free dinner date with a lady <laughs> and I caused the pandemic. That was my secret. That was my secret thought, and I'd never said it out loud. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Holly. We, we want to make sure, you know, we're pushing our guests to get to the real truth of who they yeah. are here. Real talk. <laughs> You're going to be getting some emails from Wiccans is all I can tell you. So this, um, so this particular event, uh, we were setting up, and I was not, I was not listening to the pandemic news. And I thought, oh, well, this will blow over and we'll open. And then uh, in my head, I'm just deciding, well, I guess I'm going to tell people I can't hug them after the show. And then we'll all be fine. <laughs> uh, we go, uh, Adrian has flown into, Brava has flown Adrian into San Francisco. Uh, we've been working on tech for a week. Um, uh, oh, oh, also, I also sprained my ankle at this point. So we staged the show. I, this was like my fourth week of a uh, sprained ankle, and I could make it to the stool. So I uh, so basically did the show as uh, I'm just going to sit in this stool. And uh, uh, on the stool, I'm sorry, in the stool is, that's a whole different podcast. I've got to sit. I think that could be the title, but no, no, we don't want that. I'm going to sit on this stool and I'm going to be very elegant and charming. And it's going to be as if, as if I wanted to do it this way, but it was only because I could only hobble. 
but but we had a good you know we had a good lighting design we had a um, this mirrored background that was fantastic we had full lights we had full sound design uh, we had everyone got paid but what happened was on our final dress rehearsal and we had a camera person we had a really good camera person on our final dress invited dress rehearsal uh, Stacy from Brava sat us all down and said you know there's a pandemic <laughs> by the way guys <laughs> it's not just about sound and lights and <laughs> memorizing your lines outside of this theater people are running and buying sourdough starter <laughs> We don't think in the best interest of our community. By the way, the show was sold out for that oh, first no. weekend. We're going to have to postpone. And I went, postpone. That's exciting. And 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 Stacy said, but if you want to do your final dress rehearsal, you can. So we did it and we filmed it. And the film came out great. And there was a certain energy to having an invited dress rehearsal when nobody's supposed to be there. This right. was like the day before we got shelter in place, but we knew <laughs> that nobody's supposed to be there. <laughs> and I just said to my friends, look, I mean, you're not supposed to be here, but you can come. <laughs> and they came and Brava opened up their uh, guest bar and um, all the liquor we wanted <laughs> Wow. Oh my gosh. That sounds magical. Did. It was wonderful. You know, the wonderful thing about this disaster and end of days was we got free liquor. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but we had this amazing show. And there were really, besides uh, the lighting designer, uh, Kathy Anderson, <clears throat> and the sound designer, uh, Chris Michael, uh, who is the last person I actually put my arms around because he forced me to. He's a young guy, and he doesn't understand about death. Uh, and, um, and, you know, and then Adrian was like, no, no, I'm fine. <laughs> Just a nod will be good. He was like, he was drinking Purell. He was drinking Purell at this point. Um, he booked his flight to fly back to New York that night, and we did the show, and the audience of really maybe a dozen in that room sounded like we had, I know this isn't, Sound like we had forty. It sounded like we had just you know a, a modest but lovely, robust, excited audience. So the um, the audio on that film or that video is so good. So then, uh, I did something for Brava because a lot of people donated their tickets back to Brava instead oh, of asking great. for a refund. Mm -hmm. And I was also jonesing to have people see what we came up with. Right. So I came up with my first stream idea, which we used Zoom uh, and the footage. We did the footage as screen share. I picked about four or five scenes, uh, ran it by Adrian. He said yes. And then the rest I did with, uh, with the lights, with the webcam, that sort of uh, black market webcam that I got, <laughs> um, with a body mic that I have. And we were able to uh, – we were able to – present the show to the uh, audience that donated their money back to Brava, that had donated to Brava. And many of them had also just donated personally to me, which uh, I got a lot, of, uh, a lot of love and a lot of uh, financial support when this first, uh, when the pandemic first hit. Now it's sort of trickled off, but uh, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you already got $100, Maria. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, yeah, is this every day? Well, I, know. I don't have to worry, worry about shows at all. We did the show. Uh, we got a 100-seat you know, Zoom. 
We had a full house, and then we we did a talk back afterwards. I am not a, a technical person at all, and I and I told uh, Adrian and um, uh, our team. So uh, so what we decided to do was try to just make it more seamless because what we heard from the Brava audience uh, was that they really loved the two forms together. It was really nice to be able to hear me with an audience, to hear the laughter and the energy, which, again, was so weird because we had so Mm -hmm. few people. But it was very good quality film. And then to go into the same, you know, pick up again in the text. Uh, So I, I... we we propose that you know Adrian proposed that too. I have to. I'm always saying I, but only because I'm in isolation. I have no cat. Uh, <laughs> but we proposed that to uh, to Ellie at Dixon Place, and we sent her um, uh, a film of of what it looked like because uh, you know you can record your show on Zoom. So we sent that to her, and she liked the idea as well. Can I get a little into mentioning platforms? Yeah, sure, go for it. Uh, we're uh, we're trying to figure out eCam, uh, which is uh, which works only with Macs. Uh, but in eCam, you can set up like I can set up uh, where I t- you know where I talk to you live, and then just by uh, pushing a button, which we're going to try to get this remote control deck, uh, it'll go in- it'll go right into the scene. Mm. Oh, cool. Um, and back to the lesbian brothers, I was looking at what they were doing, and they had graphics, they had chat, uh, not uh, scene titles, act titles, and it was lovely. It also gave the actors a chance to. There were catch so many cost, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, costume changes, you know. Oh, another glitch. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> the magnificent, unbelievable, all of them, uh, but one of the brothers. I won't say who. <laughs> Um, she was the one that tur- turned me on. Her character turned me on. They all turned me on, but her character, I mean, titties, I mean, thank- next to titties, next to titties. It wasn't titties. Titties. It wasn't titties. Okay. Different than But titties. it was a character. Oh my God. Am I canceled? No. Did I just get no. canceled? No, 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 no. Keep going. If I have to show my titties to like not get canceled, I will. I got a lot of layers on now and I have a sports bra. It's going to take, take maybe more time. time than we have. Uh, maybe next it would just be for me and Holly. Oh, that's right. It's only audio. Okay. All right. Listen to this. Oh, you're missing a show here. Uh, if only our listeners could see. Thump, thump. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm going to put him back in now. I'm going to put him back in. Oh. Still got it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, but okay, so the glitch I saw was, you know, I mean, these poor brothers, they, they had to, um, you know, put wigs on sometimes and one, so one of the wigs was askew. That's, that's, that's bullshit of me to, to even bring that up. I, I, I apologize. I like how this is just sprinkled throughout though. It's like, one more brave smile. I'm so glad we saw it now because we would just be I know. So lost. Thank goodness we watched it. Yeah, because it was, all right, Playbill. Could have, could have made it easier to find. All right, Playbill? Yeah, we I had gave to work you money. for it, Playbill. I gave you yeah. money, but, you know, <laughs> in spite of difficulty. Um, so, oh, my gosh, I even forgot uh, what I was going to say. Uh, what we want to do is to have the best possible uh, tech presentation. And so I could do that with Ecamm. It's either going to be remotely with um, Dixon Play staff uh, running the Ecamm uh, through Zoom or me doing it myself and just making this more meta than you can believe. Right. Uh, because I do think a lot of live stream shows don't, I mean, don't, they, they just try to pretend that it's, this is normal. And so I have the opportunity because a lot of my stuff is direct address to the audience mm. to just say, folks, I have to put my old person glasses on so I can see this button. <laughs> uh, so I think that, um, uh, and I was talking to Adrian about it today because we're we're trying to figure out what is the least risky thing to do because we don't want the you know we don't want to lose the camera completely but um so it might be either one of those two ways me just doing everything like uh, DJ Gomez uh or uh, having it be remote <laughs> ecam uh, can go into your zoom by a uh, as a virtual camera and once you have that going if that's the if that's the spotlighted camera then you can do an entire show with uh with better video better sound and uh, almost a broadcast quality thing and it's still on zoom uh, and the reason we're on Zoom, again, this is to be edited out. Uh, the reason we're on Zoom is so that once the live stream is over, we can turn on all the cameras and 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 we can actually have an audience Q and A, and people can see each other. Oh, nice! Wow, nice! Yeah, I don't think we should edit it out. I think we should try to get sponsored by Ecam. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be our goal. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just like it seems like you incorporate a lot of memoir in your shows and, and all your solo shows. And you had talked to us earlier about um, like the different formats and uh, genres that influence your work. And like, how, how do you describe your your shows and what you do? 13 solo shows, mm, three of them. Mm, we can really say 10 solo shows, <laughs> but but uh, but my solo shows uh, are uh, memoir. um and I think it's because the way I, I went into solo theater uh, came from uh, a biographical uh, performer that I knew, uh, Josh Kornbluth. And we met in the comedy, uh, the comedy scene of San Francisco in uh, the late 80s. And I... Uh, I was a stand-up... Com- My parents were... were, uh, were Latinx or Latino, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm talking about 
fifties and sixties. I think it's Latino <laughs> entertainers, uh, in you know, for the immigrant, uh, the burgeoning immigrant community in New York, and um, and I was the only child that they had in their marriage, uh, like of thirteen years. So I was really a fly on the wall, and my my parents were larger than life, and I thought that this was it. Like I thought they were the most famous and successful artists, and then of course after my parents got divorced, um, I was pulled out of the uh, the Washington Heights, the barrio, the Latino neighborhood that I lived in, and I was, uh, unfortunately, I moved with my mother to, uh, to a very white neighborhood. My mother was sort of, although she had a very thick accent, assimilationist, and I lost any kind of uh, connection with my Latino uh, background, my Latino roots, and I sort of became assimilated. So when I was 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 doing stand up i i you know i i realized that um there aren't you know in hollywood there's not a lot of opportunity for people of color not a lot of opportunity for masculine presenting women or you know for just weirdos um and at the same time uh towards uh well 89 my mother was diagnosed with alzheimer's uh and i kept you know doing what i could I was on the west coast you know I would come to see her and you know that's you know as we all know that's a it's such a painful long a goodbye mm-hmm. so I was still doing stand-up I mean that's how I made a living and I met Josh Kornbluth a solo performer and uh he started uh he actually grew up in Washington Heights and he did a sh- he was working on a show called Red Diaper Baby about his uh, communist uh, father, uh, and I was really, I was really having a hard time being a comedian. I was grieving, and I wanted to talk about my parents. I had always felt when I was a kid that I wanted to write about them. I wanted to write a book about them. I wanted them to be remembered because I got off track. But when I moved to this white neighborhood, I realized, oh, my parents were performing outside of the mainstream. My parents. Their whole world of what, which was so fabulous, was um, you know stars who worked in factories by the by daytime, um, and so I really wanted to. I could see that our culture was being erased. So I felt by telling my parents' story and my relationship to them, I was preserving some culture for brown people. Um, so I did that piece about my mother. I was actually mistakenly booked into a solo performance festival. But I had only been doing stand-up, and I just knew a solo performer. But the solo performance festival was also um, uh, headlined by Anna DeVere Smith and uh, Michael Luna. And uh, I think there was a fourth, I can't remember. And then me. They said, oh, we heard, uh, so we uh, we need a solo performer. Um, Do you have a, uh, what play would you like to do? And I said, I'm working on the title right now. I I really didn't know anything. I never tried it. But I I just lied. And then the next day I said, it's called Memory Tricks. And then that's how I wrote the show about my mom. Uh, And I... I shared a dressing room with Anna DeVere Smith, which had to be very irritating for Anna DeVere Smith. <laughs> it was at it was at UC San Diego, and the dressing room was like the women's locker room. And, you know, I just – I didn't have to sit right next to her. There were plenty of other <laughs> little vanities to sit at. <laughs> you know, just – she didn't need to know I was nervous. She didn't need to know any of that. Um, 
But I, I survived that. The, the university never knew. I remembered all my lines. And, you know, by talking to myself on public streets. And then uh, I ran the show in, in San Francisco. It got picked up to open in New York at the Public Theater um, by uh, Joanne uh, Acolytus and George C. Wolfe. Wow. And from there, I became a solo That's performer. Amazing. Because I realized I love doing stand-up, but um, I think that there's... You know, there's just this stuff that's burning inside you when you when you write uh, a story, when you write a play, and when you write solo theater. Um, there's an urgency, and I felt that. I felt that about many things. You know, I about sexuality and about you know my parents and my you know my unresolved uh, relationships to my parents who've, who've both passed away by now, uh, and the, and the grieving, and also by honoring them and the history and what our community, our, our Latino community uh, was uh, in, in the 60s and the 70s, what we had, what we lost. Um, so uh, that, is, that is basically why I just started writing about my life and the people in my life and my experiences. I wrote a show in the 90s that actually uh, was presented at the Whitney Biennial um, that was called, uh, I think it was called Marga Gomez. Yes, Marga Gomez. I, sometimes I also put my name in the title. <laughs> <laughs> Marga Gomez is pretty, witty, and gay. And I wrote this uh, in the 90s uh, because this was a time when you were, uh, when all the talk shows, Oprah and Phil Donahue um, and Geraldo Rivera were all doing, uh, it was like the lesbian chic time. And they were bringing, they always had lesbians on the talk show. I mean, lesbians <laughs> always had, you know, a problem. It didn't, they, they would just make it up like lesbians with long hair tomorrow on <laughs> Oprah. <laughs> Or, or gay men with ordinary apartments tomorrow on Geraldo. <laughs> um, so I wrote, uh, I wrote this play, and it was basically pop culture. It was sort of a hybrid of stand-up and storytelling and, and also fantasy. Uh, but it, it got into the Whitney, uh, which was pretty amazing. And, um, and that was thanks to uh, Lori Eastside, who's a very uh, – She's just a saint in in uh, queer theater, in uh, in radical political theater uh, of of New York and and elsewhere. Um, I have also you know written some fantasy solo shows, but they're yeah they're all based on me. I, I was an only child, and uh, probably I'm not uh, unless people are fans. If I go to a party and I don't know anybody. I leave the party and I don't know anybody. <laughs> just, that's another great thing about the pandemic. <laughs> don't know. I've been in plenty of like awkward social Zoom calls though, so it feels like there's still some social pressure. No, I'm great on Zoom. I, I'm known as Marga Private Chat Gomez. <laughs> you know, I got the virtual backgrounds. I stand out. Yeah. Oh my God, this is more pitch for your for your dating. <laughs> In the communities that you I talked about that you you're writing shows for to commemorate them, did you find queer community there as well? Uh, yes, uh, in fact, one of the uh, you know one of the thing I was looking forward to uh, before the pandemic uh, was to play live at Dixon Place. I mean, that's how I that's how I 
that's how I got the gig. I was at Dixon Place. Uh, what, I, I, I can't even remember why. I, I was I was in New York. I was on some visit, and when I when I go to New York, I always go to Dixon Place. They have a bar, and there's always there's always like people that I I know. Pe- you know, Peggy Peggy Shaw is sometimes hanging out. Uh, uh, D'Lo hangs out. It's it's a queer theater. It was. I, I, do you, you two know the history of Dixon Place? I don't know the history. I sadly yeah. don't know. I love it, but I don't but, know the background. Can of I, it. can I can I fill yeah, you in a little bit? Dixon Place was started it, it uh, in the loft of its founder and uh, artistic director Ellie Covan, and what she did was she had a you know you know one of those big ass lofts in New York which cost like you know a hundred dollars a month right. <laughs> back in the seventies. <laughs> you 80s. never let them so, go. <laughs> yeah, so she uh, I think she did I think she, well yeah they 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 let you go that's what happens right, <laughs> right. but she had this big ass loft and she started putting shows you know which i think is, so it was always a salon type of environment but she had her clip lights and it's so weird that that's kind of what we're doing now, you know. But she had her clip light set up, and she had that little bar set up. And, you know, you would pay whatever the donation was to see all these artists. I'm sure Lisa played at, at her apartment. And then she gravitated to starting uh, an actual space. And I think she's been through three three different spaces and now Dixon places on Christie street. And, um, they have all this programming online, but it has always been, uh, a safe place and a nurturing place, uh, for queer artists and people of color. And so I don't know how many years, um, the hot festival, which Spanky machine is part of has been going on, but, uh, they have actually, air conditioning that's the sad part but i was i think i was at the last hot festival and and ellie offered me a commission and that's the second commission i've done so basically this is sort of my queer hangout there's no uh i mean i didn't really i don't really like like you know i mean henrietta's please support henrietta's but it's just like the bar thing again. Not not good for me anymore. I can't I can't hear anything. <laughs> I can't hear what people are saying, and I feel my hearing gets even worse than it is now when I walk out of the bar. So Dixon Place having this lounge, having this 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 artistic rebellious motor is you know ideal ideal for picking up ladies. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But it's 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 ideal for finding sustenance and community. Um, so that is really where I connect with the queer community in New York is at Dixon Place. Uh, but really all through downtown and of course in Brooklyn there there were many spaces and everything keeps shifting which is uh, which is why it's important to you know to support Dixon Place. This is a lot of their programming uh, in Hotfest is going to be free by donation but this is a ticketed event so that they can sort of make back what they commissioned me um, so when you, when you buy a ticket, I think they, well, I'm not going to do the numbers, but, uh, you know, but they're, they're sort of sliding scale, but when you buy a ticket, um, you know, you're actually helping Dixon Place open, 
you know, keep its doors open. Right now, they're putting a lot of content on uh, their uh, Dixon Place TV. Some of that is streaming. Some of it is film. Uh, another uh, place where I have queer community in the Bronx is called BAD, mm-hmm. uh, Bronx Academy of Arts and Dance. And um, those are longtime friends, too, so I'm able to work things out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, in, in San Francisco, Brava Theater um, has been a place where I've been able to, uh, you know, find my people. It's where we, those of us who have not been evicted from this, this you know, this tech boom here, uh, although rents are, are going down. That's another wonderful thing about the <laughs> pandemic. Uh, <laughs> we don't have any money. Oh, that's a bad thing. Right. Um, so, yeah, so it's kind of, you know... Um, there has always been this uh, counterculture uh, and uh, a system that we've had in place. And a lot of it, I think, has been uh, really kept going by, by, this, by the power of lesbians who sometimes get ignored in a queer culture, mm-hmm. uh, if, if you know what I mean. I mean, uh, especially mainstream uh, queer culture, which is right now being called out for, you know, just basically representing cis uh, white men, yeah. uh, of, you know, of also of a certain income. So now that is, is being broken down by the conversations uh, thanks to the resistance of Black Lives Matter. Um, so suddenly everything's changing, even queer culture. When I came out, when I came out... <laughs> kids tell us um, everything we want to know <laughs> we had intersectionality i mean stonewall was stonewall because of queer people of color uh you know and now we see the attack on uh, uh black trans women in particular um and so you know, nothing really changes but for everyone to get back to what we knew in the beginning of this rebellion that is queer liberation is is really important. We can make this right. We can re- remember that this is not about getting married and having a house in the suburbs and having the perfect family. This is about community. And so the work that I'm doing now, Spanking Machine, I feel it's a personal piece, but it's also, I think, a piece that resonates, and it resonates for anyone who has... It's, it's not all about this, but for anyone who has had to go through... Uh, sexual trauma. Uh, it It is part of who I am that I have never, never discussed before in the show. Uh, and, I, you know, I don't want to make a secret. I don't want to throw curves because the other way that we survive is by humor, and it's all through the piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could definitely use some humor right now. So I, I'm really excited to watch your show. And the queer community, and yeah, that's why I'm community. very excited mm-hmm. to have, you know... Uh, Keeping the show tight, trying to keep it to 70 minutes. I have been known to, you know, um, start, like, Im- improvising. That's the one great thing <laughs> about not having an audience to feed me. I just, like, well, I'm just going to do what I what I wrote here. <laughs> <laughs> so we always ask our guests, um, do you have any queer culture indulgences outside of theater that you want to share? Queer culture indulgences? Yeah, like TV shows or books or... Oh, I thought you meant fantasies. Do I have any fantasies? If you want to share, I mean, you those, can share those, please. Uh, well, it's all Christina Hendricks related. Uh, Christina Hendricks. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm just gonna let that blurry. All right. Do I have any 
queer culture in oh yes oh yes well my number one queer indulgence during the pandemic was watching killing eve yes 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 okay uh <laughs> jody and sandy i like to call her sandy <laughs> um uh hooked me in for every season and uh of course uh it really turned out to be sort of a dyke uh chain yanking because oh, totally <laughs> totally it's like i cannot believe how satisfied i am that they are dancing cheek to cheek because that is all i'm going to get besides right. they stab each other <laughs> don't take anything soulful looks uh, head bump, a stabbing, and then dancing cheek to cheek. Oh, and now we're going to turn and look at the river in some European town, whatever it is. <laughs> That's it. I will oh, not did. be watching season four. You can't do this to me again. <laughs> I absolutely will. <laughs> After season two, I was like, why would I do this to myself again? Can't stop. Right. Right. I'll do anything for Sandra O. It's bragging, fine. bragging, uh, just to show you that I am a theater person. Uh, I saw Stop Kiss <laughs> off Broadway. Yeah, with Sandy. Sandra wow. O was in Stop Kiss. I'm jealous. Of Wait, that. can I tell you? Um, can I tell you my like lesbian web thing I figured out with Sandra O and Stop Kiss? Yes. So Stop Kiss had Sandra O, and then I think it was her understudy or oh. the person who played opposite her later also starred in Grey's Anatomy as Dr. Han who is the first person that Sada Ramirez kisses the first woman that she kisses on Grey's Anatomy it all uh, goes back to stop kiss oh thank you Shonda Rhimes <laughs> wait but the because when I saw stop kiss the woman that um that she played uh against was uh in Friends is that the same actress? Oh, maybe. It might, I can't remember if she was in the show or she was the understudy, but she was part of the production. Okay, I, but you you yeah. saw her. Uh, you saw her on the stage. I, I didn't see. I haven't seen a production of Stop Kiss ever, but so I've I, read it many times. So I won. You you, you definitely won. Yeah. won. <laughs> Sandy, I won. I will send you seamless. I will send. I wouldn't do this for everybody, but there's a way that I can get you dinner, Sandy. <laughs> oh, wait, I forgot one aspect is that um, Sandra O's character's name or the other character's name is Callie, which is also Seta Ramirez's character's name on Grey's it all Anatomy. Goes back. That's I, I was so pleased with myself when I figured that out. <laughs> you like posted on Live Journal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so it's kind of like yeah, more of the could... thesis of sandy yeah <laughs> yeah we should change that episode title uh i try to think of, oh i also wanted to um just uh, i can't leave this topic of queer indulgences during the pandemic without mentioning uh <laughs> the uh the reboot of l word 
yeah. <laughs> which I also watched real fast. I kind of just, uh-huh. um, I think I did the dishes. I fast forwarded. I barely watched. Um, I get it. Um, yeah. they, <laughs> they, 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 yeah, they have, um, they're more down to earth now instead of a museum <laughs> curator. She's running for mayor. Yeah. Yeah. That's like my clique. That's like my squad. Just normal people. Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch um, Work in Progress? Oh, my God. Okay. That's not even an indulgence. That is – that's like – yes, that's a yeah. good fortune. I love that's that. Art. Is, yeah. It's so good. That's, that's art. That is, the, that is the standard. That is beautiful, beautiful work. Yes. I, I'm actually happy to, to watch it all over again too. Yeah. Also, um, Sandy, if, if you would like to hear my titties, um, just scroll – Let's go uh, backwards. <laughs> rewind, rewind. <laughs> but um, the thing about Elward that they have tried to do is uh, make it um, to make it more diverse. To uh, they have a trans uh, a trans character, um, and they have a thruple. And I think that that is the biggest like biggest risk they're taking is the thruple. You know, if when I when I watch El, L Word now, oh, is it the new generation? Is that is it L Word the new Gener- generation Q? Generation Q. Generation Q. Q. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, I I kind of just think, oh my god, can I ever have sex again? It looks so stupid uh, because. <laughs> They're always throwing each other against something. It's like, you know, can't we just sit? I'm older now and I have a bad knee. Can we just sort of just, just lay down? Can we just lay down? And, um, Some I low impact. Pump. Yeah. Can I change it to something that you can rip? Cause this is my good t-shirt, but it's, it's always just like this animal thing. And they, and, and they always just look like they're, they're in pain and that you're really not. You're just going to have sex. You've had it before. It looks very athletic. That's for sure. <laughs> Super athletic. And I yeah. don't know. Shane doesn't, Sh- Shane doesn't seem that, that hardy. She never did. No. no. <laughs> She's going to break in half. She's yeah. going to break in half. It's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Marga, how can people find you online? Um they can go to my website, which uh, I'm going to update as soon as I get off this call. Uh, <laughs> I said that I said that yesterday to a show in Oregon. Please go to my website. I'll have the. Um, you can go to margagomez.com, but um, also if you just want to get those tickets for Spanky Machine, uh, now that you've heard all the technical stuff, oh, unless Megan and Holly edited it out, but trust <laughs> me, there's a lot of thought behind this live streaming that I'm going to do. Um, then you can go to, uh, dixonplace.org. And also I would just like to recommend that in general for people interested in queer theater, especially during the pandemic, because there's a lot of content going on there. Uh, Dixon Place is also relevant and involved in, uh, in all kinds of social justice performance work. So check out dixonplace.org. And Marga, remind us the dates that, uh, Spanky Machine is playing. Um, there'll be five live stream shows. This is, I'm not doing any replay shit, folks. So something can go very wrong in each show. And I invite the five, (laughs) I invite the five lesbian brothers to come and pick me apart. (laughs) 
<laughs> for my inconsistencies. <laughs> um, and the first show will be uh, Thursday, July 16th. And then it's uh, Friday and Saturday of that week, the 17th, 18th. Then we take a little break and we come back for our final two shows, uh, uh, Friday and Saturday, the 24th and 25th. In other words, from July 16th through July 25th, tickets are sliding scale. I believe the first show, July 16th, is where you can actually... I think it's almost pay what you can, or the cheapest ticket is July 16th. So I expect to see uh, all of my uh, lesbian brothers there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, give give Dixon Place all the money. They're, they're so great. It goes to the yeah. Dixon Place. They're, yeah. they're, they've already paid um, our uh, creative team. So thank you, Dixon Place. Thank you, Ellie Coven. Thank you, Brava. Thank you, all our queer uh Friendly are theaters that uh, promote people of color and women and communities. Thank you. Yeah, support them. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, <laughs> Marga. This was amazing. I don't think I've laughed this much since like before March thirteenth. Wow. <laughs> well, um, I, I hope you can you know come see the show probably on the preview. Right? You got that podcast budget. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again, Marga. This is wonderful, and we're so excited for your show and to just keep following all the great stuff that you're doing. Yeah. Thank you for bringing so much humor to this episode. Thank you, Megan and Holly. Uh, thank you to the, uh, the the huge team behind Thesis on Joan. Thank you to Lisa Crone for writing Fun Home. Uh, thank you to um, to all the Dyke. Uh, creators of content and all the people who take a look out and say, hey, um, can I see some Dyke theater? Please do. Uh, thank you. This was a pleasure. Each episode for Queer Gives, we spotlight organizations working tirelessly to uplift our community and fight for justice. This week's Queer Gives, Marga requested that we share the Louisville Community Bail Fund to help support those who are protesting for justice for Breonna Taylor. The Louisville Community Bail Fund exists to not only bail out folks, but provide post-release support to get them from jail, fed, and to a situation of safety. LCBF also maintains a focus on preventative measures for those targeted by law enforcement and threatened with incarceration. While they work with national networks, they're also one of the only bail funds that rely entirely on support from individuals. Learn more and donate at the link in our show notes. Additionally, Marga has been working to support Jamie Harris in his campaign for South Carolina U.S. Senate seat, currently occupied by Lindsey Graham. Learn more about his campaign and support him uh, at the link also in our show notes. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Thesis on Joan and shoot us an email with your queer culture indulgences, your recommendations, or anything else you'd like to share at thesisonjoan at gmail.com. So many Lisa shout outs. I know. We're going to have to tag her and be like, Marga's coming for all you and your brothers. <laughs> have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. 
there's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 